Radio. Let's talk pets. Hello, you're listening to Animal Party on Pet Life Radio. And that means it's me, Deb Wolf, your host. If you want to hear more about me, you can always go to Facebook and see all the dogs playing at Camp Good Dog. And if you want to check out some of the things I post, including write-ups of this show, you can check me out at Deborah Wolf Pet Expert on Facebook, too. But right now, today, we have a very special guest, someone I love to have. She's my favorite cat expert in the universe, in the whole cat universe, Dusty Rainbolt. Welcome to the show, Dusty. Oh, well, thank you. And you know what? You are my favorite dog expert, too. So the feeling is mutual. (laughs) Oh, that's so nice. It's true. Totally true. (laughs) And I know you know a lot of dog experts, just like you know I know a lot of cat experts. So (laughs) that's saying a lot. It's not like you're the only one, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, okay. So I want to talk today uh, about a few things. We had a writer, someone emailed me in a problem that I found sort of curious. She says she has a cat that picked itself bald on half its body only. And she did, uh, you know, I went back and forth with her. First thing I said was, what about fleas? And she said, well, we treat it for fleas and it doesn't seem to be scratching or itching. And it gets this, you know, topical flea treatment every month. And that seems to not be the problem. But she said it would just methodically pull out its own fur on the feet, the legs, the belly, the tummy, and then stop at about halfway. And then for some reason, it just stopped doing that. Now all the fur's grown back. Do you have any idea what the deal is with that? Well, whenever I hear about something similar, a change in, in behavior, the first thing I always say is take them to the vet. I mean, Lee's would have been my first guess. But so many times there could be uh, other things going on in addition to fleas. You know, allergies, whether it's fleas or pollen or grass or whatever, it sounds like a a contact issue. Or it could also be a behavioral issue. Uh, Stress can cause cats to start hyper-grooming and, uh, you know, they may pull out their fur or just trimming it down with those uh, those sharp little Okay, tongues. so you know what? I was thinking along those lines, too, and I asked her a bunch of questions, and one of them led a little bit askew, but it kind of uh, rang true for me. And that was there had been no changes, no new pets, no new neighbors, no construction work. I mean, I went through the whole list of things that could throw a cat off. House guests, uh, <laughs> construction moving, you know, new heater, new radiator, where are the litter boxes, on and on and on and on. And then we hit on one thing. Daughter-in-law, who visits all the time and loves the cats, is pregnant. <gasps> and I thought, well, wait a minute now. Okay. That's, that's definitely a change. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there could be a few, like maybe daughter-in-law no longer wants to touch cats because she's worried about bacteria and changing litter. And maybe there's a change in her a- attitude. Or maybe just the hormones are flowing. Hormones are mm-hmm. flowing, right? What do you right. think? You think that's the... The missing thing? Well, you know, since we can't, our senses are so dull compared to to cats and dogs, the types of things that would cause conflict like that, that sounds like a fabulous idea. I mean, the pregnancy. But, I mean, it could be anything. You know, we can't read their minds. And as I said, with our senses being so dull compared to theirs, you know, 
but the first thing is always, always, always take Kitty to the vet because it could be it could be uh, something internal. We, we yeah, you want to rule it out. We could I have mean, tummy issues. And what I suspect happens is the reason it's only the bottom half of the body is because that's what the kitty can get to. That's what she can reach. You know? But she didn't do her front paws, though, right? They can reach their paw, their front paws. She didn't do the front mm-hmm. paws of the chest. So I found this curious. I got lots of pictures, unfortunately, <laughs> more than I might want um, of this one cat. <laughs> um, you know, if you're going to send me pictures of your sick animals, one or two is plenty. But uh, if you're going to send me cute pictures, well, that's another matter. But these these wounds, oh, my goodness. Okay, oh. so spring. We're talking about spring. You sort of touched on that with pollen. And, you know, well, before we get to and that, grass. I want to say, though, that when I was pregnant, I used to do cat rescue, a lot of cat work, and visit this place called Katie's Place. And I was sort of the person who could go in and even the scaredest cats would come out. When I was pregnant, that stopped working for me. If I went there, the cats who were scared would scatter when I was pregnant. So I do find they do react. And my own cats didn't mind me pregnant, but strange cats didn't like it. So they are reactive, right? Like there is something going on there. I absolutely agree. You know, it's something I never would have occurred to me. But I think that that's a really good observation the poor kitty, I mean, you know, he, there's no way for him to tell us what's bothering him. So we just have to, we have to act like an investigator, the private detective, and rule things out. And what may happen is once all health issues have been ruled out, we do blood work, we find, you know, uh, we do an exam to make sure that there's not something in the belly that's causing pain or discomfort or whatever. Uh, parasites, lamb- fungus, parasite, mange, allergies, contagious, creepy, crawly things. Yeah, exactly. we got to rule all that out. Mm-hmm. Once we've done that, then hopefully they'll consider working with a behaviorist and then medication may be prescribed something to keep the the kitty a little little calmer and work through it and you know uh, she did say she did say it all resolved like the cat has full i saw pictures full fur back again so i think it was hormonal i wonder if the i wonder if the baby and she's no longer pregnant and there's your deal (laughs) maybe Maybe, or or they switch trimesters i mean hard to say so because a cat pregnancy is only two months long right Mm -hmm. just like a dog whereas we could just keep going and going Okay, so we're going to come back after break. We have to cut to break. When we come back, we're going to talk about spring and some of the things you need to think about in spring from things like pollen, like we just sort of mentioned, and grooming, but also disasters. Right here, we're worried about floods over there. Dusty Rainbow, the cat wrangler, she's worried about tornadoes and hurricanes and things like that in Texas. So we're going to talk about disaster preparedness, too, as well as whatever you think about in spring when it comes to your animals. We are talking with Dusty Rainbow. She's the author of Cat Wrangling Made Easy and Kittens for Dummies and so many other things. Can't even begin to mention, but you can look her up if you want to. She's the cat writer. And we'll be back right away. Stay tuned for springtime issues on Pet Life Radio. You know that feeling when you go to clean the litter box and it's a complete disaster? Yeah, we've got you covered. Introducing World's Best Cat Litter Zero Mess, the advanced litter that gives you two times better clumping and more odor control with less litter. Zero Mess combines the concentrated power of corn with super absorbent plant fibers. Translation, scoop once and you're done. 
Find it at a pet store near you and save $2. Visit www.saveonworldsbest.com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Hello! We're back on Animal Party. It's a party. We got dogs, we got cats, and we're talking about spring with Dusty Rainbow, the Cat Wrangler. Cat Wrangling Made Easy is my favorite cat book, and it taught me so many things, like about touch, in fact, but we'll talk about that later. Right now, we're going to talk about spring. So, Dusty, what about the pollen? What's the issue there for you? Well, I tell you what, I have pollen allergies. It is insane. This time of year, I, I sound like my nose is always stopped up and I can't talk and, and I get that Lauren Bacall voice. But the, the truth is, it's not just me. Cats get these allergies and dogs. Animals get these allergies as well. And uh, some cats also have uh, grass allergies. And I uh, know doggies who have little, their, their feet bother them. And uh, there's just all kinds of things going on, mold, depending on where you are. So spring is beautiful, but uh, it can be a, a difficult time to be a, a cat or a dog who can't tell you, oh, my sinuses are killing me, or, gee, these fleas are driving me crazy and I'm stripping the fur off my skin. So you just have to watch them. Well, I think grooming is huge this time of year because, you know, you got to brush them. If they come in all covered in pollen, you're going to suffer. They're going to suffer. Everybody's suffering. You brush, brush, brush. If you can get a vacuum with a long arm and get your pets to tolerate that, that really helps. There's other things too. Diet can affect things a lot, but keeping them clean and hosing them off, especially dogs who've been in dirty, muddy water, water that's questionable, just hose them off. They shouldn't sit in that or have to lick it off. And for cats, it's the same kind of thing. If you know, if you, they're naked and they're low to the ground, so if your neighbor's spraying pesticides, keep your cat in that day. That's just mm-hmm. not something he should run through. You know, really. And his feet too. The feet, the pads—they're so exposed all the time. I worry so much about people burning the pads or cutting the pads off their animals because, you know, maybe their dog's been inside a lot lately and it's the first dry, hot day and the pavement's scorching and the person's wearing running shoes and doesn't notice and they take the dog out at noon and bam, now the dog's dying to go for a walk. It's so excited and it wants to keep up with its human so it won't even let on as it's wearing its pads completely raw. You know, you've got to feel the ground yourself. So spring is the time when we got to get ready for the weather, right? Absolutely, and in my part of the country, a lot of people love to put their dogs in the, the back of the pickup and, and take them wherever they're going, and you've got to remember that those pickups, at least in our part of the country, that metal gets scorching hot, so, you know, make sure that, that your dog has some kind of protection, I mean, you know, maybe a blanket or something if you're going to do that. So, well, the other but, thing, yeah, the other thing about that is the humans inside a cab, so they're in shade, often in air conditioning, mm-hmm. and the dog's outside with wind, so he seems to feel good, but he is actually in direct, total exposure to the sun the entire time. There's no shade over him, so that's not that's right. good. 
Right. And he's getting sunstroke. He's getting heated up. He's getting dehydrated. He's getting cranky if he's a normal dog or an older dog or, you know, like it's just not a good a good plan. You got to think this one out a little bit better when traveling with your pets. And in a lot of places, you'll get a ticket for that anyway. So it's not, it's not. And then they pull you over. They're going to start writing other tickets if they're pet lovers. What's going on with that rear taillight? Hmm? What's going on there? (laughs) Tire pressure? Oh no, I once had a constable on the, on the radio uh, when I was on um, CKLV in Kelowna, Cross Canada Network. And this guy, this constable came on, he called into the show just to tell people that he's looking for them. And if he sees anybody with a dog loose in the back of a pickup, even tied on a leash, if they're not in a correct harness and they're not provided for adequately, he's going to find everything wrong he can. And he was like warning my listeners. It was like, oh, no, vigilante (laughs) or what? But, you know, he said dogs become missiles. When you put on the brakes, that dog's 80 pounds becomes 800 pounds with the force of the motion. And it kills drivers and passengers. That was his point. That was his issue. That it's just not safe. So I understand what, where they're coming from. But the heat, too, you got to really watch. No dogs in cars. No cats in cars, right? Right. Well, I was getting ready to go there, yes. <laughs> Down here, it is about, oh, 90-something degrees and at this moment. So that means... Five minutes in the car, it, it'll be like 110, and 20 minutes, it can get up to 130. So no animals in the car. And in Texas, I'm happy to tell you that uh, there is a good Samaritan law, and you can break a you can break a window if uh, you find an animal. You know, I'd advise calling the police, but you know, if it's super hot and you see the animal is in distress, I'd do it, <laughs> even if they didn't have the law. So, yeah, uh, yeah. over here, uh, we don't get the heat like that, but it can get like that all of a sudden when you don't expect it. Like today, Mm -hmm. it's it's not very warm, maybe 75 degrees and slightly cloudy and there's a cool breeze. But if the clouds were to blow over and the sun were to come out for an hour or two, it would be 90. And then what? Right. The dog left in the car in the shade is not in the shade anymore. And now he's in trouble. And it's just so not fair. So people really just don't do it. Yeah, I know Rover wants to come with you, he says. But if he only knew what was in store, he would choose to stay home. He just doesn't know. <laughs> right. He thinks you're taking him swimming like he has no idea. Oh. OK, so disasters over here. We're worried about floods and forest fires. We just evacuated uh-huh. Barnston Island, mostly. Couldn't get all the animals off. Couldn't get everything off. It was, oh, people were so worried. And then the flood subsided, the flood water, so it's okay. And they're bringing all the animals back. But if you're ever in the path of a disaster and your animals aren't friendly and they don't know their names and commands and you're not stocked up with what you need, then your animals aren't going to be the lucky ones, right? That's the right. thing. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, you really need to, especially cats, you really need to get them used to the carrier. Put the carrier out, put treats in there, put a bed in there, make the carrier their friend. And you can even uh, train them to, when you whistle or click or a certain command, to go to the carrier. And that is a lifesaver. You know, dogs are, are certainly bring out the leash, and I know my dog just goes nuts, and he's circling, and he's, you know, so excited to see the leash. But for cats, the, the carrier generally, I call it the vet transport device, because most of the time when they see that, that's what's going to happen, is they're going to be loaded up in there. Yeah, and, that's it. And mm-hmm. hauled off to the vet. 
So if you can make that their little sanctuary, then when the time comes, they might actually, you know, if if there's a, a fire in the house, they go to where they feel safe. And if they feel safe in that carrier, they might seek out the carrier. And if not, then hopefully your training to go to the carrier on command would come in very handy and be a lifesaver. You know, it doesn't take that much. I have five cats and (laughs) sometimes more coming through and rotating and whatnot, but five right now. And I tend to have a very small cat kennel uh, sort of perched inside one of those giant cat scratch things. And when I go to grab catnip from the garden and spread it around again, I always put some in there. And sure enough, within minutes, there's an hour anyway, there's a cat in there, you know, and I have a larger one on the base underneath another cat scratch in a different location with a nice comfy bed and same thing going on. Always a catnip toy in there. And sometimes I throw a whole sprig in there. And so they just don't mind it. Right. With dogs, Mm -hmm. it's easier because you tend to do puppy training and you use your crate. But I sell golden doodles, standard poodles and labradoodles. And often at about eight months, I get the call from the people who bought the puppy saying, would you like your crate back? And I say, no, because I would like you to keep it. You need that because the rescue people don't want your loose dog. And the shelters, they're all out of kennels. And the flood is coming. The fire's coming. And, you know, your dog has a crate. They have space. Bingo. And your dog's more comfortable in the crate you provided. So you can disassemble it into two parts. So it's just a big empty tub. You can throw the screws inside a Ziploc bag and put it with the door in between the two levels so you don't lose it. And then it's there. You could even put your other emergency supplies in there so it's all in one place. But you definitely don't want to get rid of those crates. And ideally, you'd keep one around somewhere for your dog to still have it as a hangout, even if it's on the back porch somewhere, even if it's the place he goes when the kids get too rough or maybe there's fireworks and he wants to hide from them, or he just feels like a good old snooze. Maybe you stick a bone in there once in a while that he doesn't expect, some special, you know, real good toy that he doesn't always get, or you teach him a trick for it. But you want him to like that place, too. Very important. Mm -hmm. Well, and, you know, let's face it, this is the real world, and, I, you know, I encourage everybody to go ahead and start making friends between their cat and their carrier. But if that hasn't been done, and if the fire is, you know, a couple of blocks away, and you're going, oh, we need to get out of here now, the one thing you can do with the cat is I have pillowcases just in case. And the cat doesn't associate the pillowcase with the vet the same way the carrier, same context. So get the pillowcase out, put the kitty in there, tie a knot, and then you can catch your next cat, and then slide them in the, in the carrier. But, you know, it's still yeah, that preferable works. to, yes, I mean, that's in case of emergency, and you never know, because the uh, second you bring that carrier out, they're going to hide. So <laughs> yes, uh, they are. Not- no, not even bring it out. The second you think of going to get it, they're going to hide. Yes. You know, uh, seriously, humans <laughs> must emit some kind of a pheromone when they're thinking about the vet because they just You know, I think it's a visual picture. I really do, because I've tried this. I've tested it a few times. We're going to go to break and come back on the psychic abilities of cats and dogs, because that's where we're heading. Yes, that's where we're heading, Dusty. Stay tuned on Animal Party, Pet Life Radio. We'll be back in a minute. Does your dog itch, scratch, stink, or shed like crazy? 
Come to Dynavite for help. Order a 90-day supply of Dynavite. Dynavite for life. Pick up two tubes of Doggo Suds. Get the third tube free. Peppermint, tea tree, lavender, Doggo Sud shampoo. Made with all-natural coconut, jojoba, aloe. Great for healthy skin and soft, shiny coats. But no itchy, harsh chemicals. Lather up, rinse away. Try Doggo Suds. Buy two, get one free. At Dynavite.com. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. Pet Hello. You're listening to Animal Party on Pet Life Radio with me, Deb Wolf. If you want to see more about me, you can look at Deborah Wolf, pet expert on Facebook. Or go to Camp Good Dog on Facebook where you'll see all the dogs, including my two pregnant mamas and their puppies, do any day. So it's going to be quite exciting. Plus all the campers who come and go from my boarding kennel up here in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. And right now we're talking about, well, we're talking with Dusty Rainbow, the cat wrangler. She's uh, one of my dear, dear friends and my favorite cat expert. And we've been on the radio so many times. And she's, I met her through the Cat Writers Association, I believe. I was a Dog Writers Association devoted person when I got recruited to the cat way of thinking as to well. To the cat side. <laughs> to the she's cat gone side. Down the cat side. I, I feel like I'm cheating on my canine brethren. Oh, well. So, <laughs> so yeah, that happened years and years ago. And uh, we're still talking about cats and dogs to this day. But I have done many experiments, Dusty, many ways of testing this where. I try to eliminate all controls and I see if the dog really can tell when I'm thinking loving thoughts as there's body contact or no body contact, no visual contact, not thinking loving thoughts and have measured reactions. And I'm convinced dogs will moan when you think the pleasure thoughts and stop moaning the minute you stop thinking the pleasure thoughts. This, these examples that are just so, it's like on off like a switch. But with cats, I very much noticed that whatever thought I'm picturing in my brain, they pick up on. With a dog, if a person who's having a hard time with a dog that jumps up, so often the person is thinking in their brain, don't jump up. And as they think this, they picture their dog jumping up on them. And so I'm convinced the dog sees this and jumps up. Because when I come into this situation and I think, lie down, the dog isn't hearing me telling him, don't jump up, don't jump up with this image of jumping. He's seeing me imagine him lie down. And so after a couple times making him do it, he just, it's all clear. There's no mixed messages. Lie down, right? And I think with cats, when you go to get that carrier and you're thinking, oh my God, I hope he doesn't hide under the bed. He sees hide under the bed and boom, he's under the bed. That's my thinking. That's very interesting. I can tell you, you know, I don't know if they can read your thoughts or not. I I kind of think that we emit some kind of a pheromone that might cause them to react or, you know, if you're scared, they they can feel it or smell it or whatever. I know that in the past I've had kittens that I have attempted not to act differently. Uh, I may have been thinking the wrong thoughts and maybe they were receiving it, but it would be time to take a kitten to the adopt-a-pet. Now, they've never been to an adopt-a-pet before and all of a sudden they hide or, uh, you know, 20 minutes before, 10 minutes before it's time to take a cat to the vet. They're gone. They are not in that normal hiding spot under the bed. They have found 
some crack or cranny that I have yet to discover. And uh, I don't know how they do it. Uh, I do really make an attempt not to send off any uh, inappropriate thoughts, but apparently I do. (laughs) Well, what about the meds? Isn't that something? When the vet gives your cat something and then he says, okay, so twice a day, and now he tells you what you have to do. And it's something like, there's no way the cat's going to put up with more than once. Take their ear and insert this. It's like, okay, how many shots at this am I going to get? Oh, no. Follow-up's really tricky. What do you suggest for people when they have this? I mean, I end up putting them in kennels I can't, I, cause so I can catch them and do the medicine and get it done with, especially if it's something really creepy like ear mites that I don't want to spread to everybody else. Or, you know, I just quarantine them in a box that I can reach. But is there a uh, better way? Well, I, I really can't think of one. When we have kitties that need medication, like medication for Giardia or uh, Coccidia, uh, which are intestinal organisms, the medicine tastes so bad, and it's it's tough to catch them. So, yes, I, I think that confining them is oftentimes the only way to make sure that you give the full regime. I mean, and it's not going to do you any good if you don't go ahead and give the medication as directed because you know, you're going to kill off the weaker organisms, but, boy, those healthier ones... Uh, they're going to be the ones reproducing, and then you've you've uh, got a bigger problem because it's going to be harder to kill. And so before so- we go today, I, I kind of alluded to this right in the beginning. I, I thanked you, or I mentioned that I learned something from you years ago, which I've applied so many times since. But you once told me that most people touch their cats, pet their cats, much too strongly. Like they're mm-hmm. a larger animal, right? Like harshly right. compared to the body size and style of the cat that if they just tried gentler, they would do much better. And I have found like so often I can't get over it when I get people telling me their cat's aggressive or he puts up with petting for a little while and then he, you know, so often if I do an almost impossibly light touch on this same cat, hardly touching, almost like a tickle touch, I don't get that at all. The cat does not mind me at all, never gets to that aggressive stage, will even press into me for more pressure. I think you're totally right on this. Totally right. Absolutely. Well, my mother has, uh, uh, my mother just passed away and we took her cat. This cat was a biter and we were afraid while she was living in assisted living. She got bit so many times and mother was 98 years old, so she was not aware enough to say, oh, well, the cat's ears are flat and the tail is lashing. Maybe I should stop petting. And what I've noticed since she's come to live with us now, her skin flicks. Her lower back will all spontaneously start, start flicking. And I haven't, we haven't been to the vet yet, but I think that's a symptom of something called hyperostasia, which is uh, they believe a seizure disorder in cats, and it makes them hypersensitive to touch. So a lot of times, you know, letting the cat set the standard. I mean, you know, keep them wanting more. Pet them on the head, and if they want more, they'll let you know. And then when you start seeing the eyes dilating or the, the ears starting to go back or the tail flicking or the skin on the back moving, then, you know, it's time to, time to just pull back and, and, as they say in Hollywood, keep them wanting more. Well, that's really key, too. Yeah, I, both those things. I start really, really light. If the cat wants more, he'll push into me. 
If he wants me not to pet his head, he'd rather me pet his back. He'll push. If he wants a long stroke from his head to his tail, he'll move like that. I don't have to, you know, I can figure out what he likes by what he does. It's kind of like if you were to go to a massage therapist and the therapist said, I'm doing the pressure I want. Now lie down. Are you kidding? No. He tries a little bit. He goes, is this pressure good? Right? That's Mm -hmm. (laughs) that's what you do when you pet an animal. And with dogs, I totally do what you're saying. With most dogs, shy dogs dogs that don't know me, dogs I want to sort of win over, I'll give them the scratch or the rub they've shown me they want, like behind the Mm -hmm. ears or whatever, but I'll stop before they've had enough, and I'll step back, and they'll come right over. They want more. They'll come right over, and then I'll give them a little more, and then I'll step back. Just like you say, play hard to get a little bit. You know, don't just give it to them all at once. And I think that totally works with dogs. Does that work with cats? It does. It uh, Let the cat control the contact and then you won't have any problems. But just keep an eye on that, the body language, because mm-hmm. if my mother had been able to tell that the cat was getting aggravated and didn't want any more contact, there wouldn't have been a problem. Since we've had Lucky, she, she is not a biter anymore. But, you know, at some point, if you took your own arm and you just kept petting with a, a heavy stroke for two or three minutes... After a while, even your own touch is going to be uncomfortable. And Oh, definitely. Know, and they're so it. small. Stop it. These little dogs and cats, they're tiny. They need little fingertip touches. You know, with dogs, there is one exception to that, I will say, though. I have a chocolate lab right now and that came to me about a year and a half ago, and I have a golden retriever that came to me about three years ago. Both were rescues from people who couldn't handle them, and they were both the kind of dogs who just were too much dog. Like, you know, the classic dog who loves too much, you know, fetches too Mm -hmm. much in your face, all over you, won't ever stop cuddling all the time. That kind of dog knocks your coffee flying to try and get more cuddles out of your hand. That kind of young dog. And in both those cases, I did the opposite. (laughs) Instead of playing hard to get... And it was kind of an experiment with the first one, Scarlet. Now with Pudding, I just knew it worked with Scarlet, so I went and did it with Pudding. But she's a dog who can never get enough love. So I decided on occasion I would try and give her more than she can handle. Like, Jess, you want cuddles? Okay, then. Just dive right in. Scrum on the floor till she's had enough. And it does take a long time to give a golden retriever or a Labrador retriever enough cuddles till they've had enough and they get up and they walk away. But um, the same with kisses. She would just kiss me, kiss me, kiss me. So I decided, all right, every kiss you give me, you're not going to have the last kiss. I am. And it went on and on. But finally, she'd (laughs) had enough. And they're both much more relaxed now, right? Like they finally realized, okay, I'll get enough. I will get enough. It's not It's Aww. not in short supply. Yeah, well, they were both lonely before. You know, the kind of dogs who love so much, but they just weren't around people and family enough, so they were really starving for attention. So I tried a new strategy, and it did work. But in most cases, dogs and cats, they're, they don't like you hugging them. They don't particularly like being picked up unless they're tiny dogs and they're used to it. Mm-hmm. They prefer to be treated with respect and touched gently, right, Dusty? Uh, that's right. And, you know, uh, cats, when they're treated roughly, they're not dogs. They're prey animals. And so there are always exceptions. But as a rule, cats do not like rough play. And so, you know, when the, when they experience that too much, too hard, too whatever, they kind of look at it as possibly being a danger, you know, being restrained. 
because what is a predator going to do? They're going to restrain their prey and take them out. And so you have to realize that if every minute of the day you're afraid that somebody's going to eat you, it will appear that everything they do, even if they know you love them, there's still deep, dark fear in the, the back of their mind that uh, someday something's going to eat them. So, you know, just just treat them with the uh, tender touch that they, they deserve, and uh, you would be surprised at how well things go. That and a little baby food. Baby food never <laughs> hurts. Turkey baby food. It's the you best. know, sometimes when you talk about cats, it really rings true for me that, that there's a, even though canines and felines are very different, and I wouldn't say that most of what you say about cats rings true for my large dogs. It doesn't. But there's a small animal traits that ring true. So when you're a, a six-pound teacup poodle or a toy chihuahua. Or a Yorkie. Yeah, yeah, Yorkie, Minpin, anything like that. Bichon, even, well, Bichons are a little more solid. But still, when you're that small, smaller than everybody else at the dog park, in the forest, wherever, when you walk through the forest, just like a cat in a forest, you are being hunted by coyotes. You are prey by the eagles. You, your experience at life is the same. When a person comes at you from above with giant feet and giant hands and tries to grab you and it hurts or they step on you, yeah, that's the same. So everything mm-hmm. you just said about cats rings so true for the small dog owners. If you've ever wondered why they shake and they're neurotic and they're scared, it's because they're little tiny animals in a very big world. So we kind of got to get that just a little and bit. And everything wants to eat them. We just have to remember that everything wants everything bigger than them yeah. is considered a predator in their minds, including yeah. us. Even other dogs <laughs> sometimes, unfortunately. Even, and, well, that's that's what I mean, the dogs, but uh, including the toddler, because you know you've got this toddler and he's only two feet tall. But you know, if he steps on the the puppy or the kitten or or whatever, or drops it, it the hurt. baby animal on the hard yep. marble floor, something like this mm-hmm. tile floor. I've seen breaks in puppies, little, little, tiny toy puppies where the, they dropped it. I used to work at a vet where we saw lots of that. You know, and I always say, if you've got a little puppy and you've got little kids, just make them sit down to pass the puppy. Then if the puppy falls, he only falls a couple inches. No big deal. They're roly-poly. But a tiny little teacup puppy cannot fall from waist height and be okay. So no. just be careful with that. Well, Dusty, we've run out of time, unfortunately. Well, I would just like to remind your <laughs> listeners that I have some new books out now. Uh, nice. You like Cat Wrangling Made Easy, but yeah. my new book, Cat Scene Investigator, Solve Your Cat's Litter Box Mystery, is the perfect answer to all your uh, litter box problems. And it approaches everything from the perspective of a detective because there's no black and white answer to why the cat is missing the litter box. So, cat scene and, and we know they are. Yes. And if you think you're handling it when we come visit, or your friends, or your family, and they get to your front door, they know if your cat's missing. <laughs> Everybody <laughs> else can spell it. You're just used to it. So, I love the enzyme cleaners. Once you got the problem under control and you get it all clean with vinegar and you've got it all done, then I use that fancy enzyme cleaner. I wait till it's on sale, you know, buy one, get one free, and I stock up. But that stuff works wonders. Yeah, you got to get rid of the scent, too, and I'm sure your book goes into all that because it's the number one reason cats end up homeless, isn't it? 
Absolutely. It is. I mean, I've been in rescue a long time, and I hear the line, oh, well, we're moving. Well, why can't you take your cat? Well, they can't take their cat because their cat pees outside the box. So he winds up in the shelter. So the the book is has been written to help keep kitties in the home, and I really encourage, and it's funny. It's like kittens for dummies or cat wrangling. It's written in a funny fashion because, you know, it's better to laugh than it is to go <laughs> read a textbook. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you very much, Dusty. It's been a thank great Thank you for great having show. me. I can't wait to do this again. Oh, you will. I'll call you back for sure. All right, everybody. We'll have Dusty back in the future. And until next time, from me, Dove Wolf, and Pet Life Radio, and Dusty Rainbow, be good to your animals. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.